Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sixers Draft Show. I am your host, Daniel Olinger, joined today by, by the man, the myth, the draft Twitter legend, PD Webb. PD, how are you doing today? Uh, flattered. Uh, uh, glad to be here and, and talk about the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, we don't. One thing about strictly about the draft podcast is we try to not talk about the actual Sixers as much, where they are still in, you know. I finally gave the music back on the pods I make about them after deciding after they lost the Hawks series going two straight weeks without giving them music. But today we are specifically talking about Kessler Edwards, a 6'8 forward out of Pepperdine. He's about 22 years old and a guy who I think if the Sixers took him at 28 would be a really great fit for them. Just I love him as a prospect overall and think he'd be great for a lot of teams. But I think for the Sixers especially, he could be really helpful based on what he offers. So PD, do you want to get us started on just like a basic background on who Kessler is and how he's developed over the years? Yeah. Um, so Kessler is uh, a junior out of Pepperdine. He definitely came into college as uh, as like a straight four and has started to maneuver up the positional ideas to like sort of be like a three and a half. You can see moments where he still like wants to post up and and when things get uh, a little bit like dicier in, in the offense, he'll, he'll go to the mid post and try to take a jumper. Um, but defensively is sort of where he shines. Um, he's very comfortable uh, guarding down, uh, much more so than, than guarding up. I think often for modern fours, you think of guys who can guard like three through, you know, some fives. Um, Kessler is, is probably better suited to taking like four up to like 1.5. I don't think you're ever going to put him on like the super quick guards like De'Aaron Fox. But against, you know, like a, a Fred Van Fleet or something, he would be comfortable on, on a switch or, or on an island for a couple of possessions. Yeah, Kessler, like like you said, they're very, like, I mean, it gets a little, like, I don't know if stereotype's the right word. It's it's a little overused, just switchable bigs, like, and how he can defend. But Kessler definitely, like, showed some flashes of just, he's just really versatile within a defense. He can do a lot of different things that you ask him to do. Um, I do think it's important that you said 4 through 1.5, because, like, one thing about Kessler, so at about 6'8 in shoes, he's only 203 pounds uh, at the combine, measured about 4.3% body fat, which... I mean, it's all, you always feel like the body fat stuff is like a little bit off, but he does like, if you watch his games, very skinny, can sometimes get moved in his upper body pretty easily. So not someone like say the Sixers are playing the Grizzlies that you want to give him spot minutes trying to defend Jonas Valanciunas inside. No, um, I think he'd probably be much more comfortable like with, with Dylan Brooks or, you know, possessions on jaw. I think that the difference between Kessler and a lot of other defenders, especially defenders in this class, is that like the reason that Kessler wins is that he is uh, like from a, a technical perspective, magnificent to the point where it's like sort of what I would show younger guys for like, this is the ideal of how you should move your feet and be aware. Um, I think that like, it, it's interesting to compare him to somebody who's currently on the Sixers roster of like Matisse Thibault, who often succeeds in spite of scheme. 
where like he gets to a spot and then forces a decision and he kind of freelances a little bit off ball. Um, Kessler's the opposite, where at times I feel like his defensive numbers are not good because he trusts the scheme so much. He's just like, I just had to put my arms up. Like, don't worry about making a play. There's people behind me who will do their job. You know, there's a box out. His understanding of what is expected of him, um, basically on every possession, uh, allows him to uh, play both bigger and faster than he is. Um, like he, you know, he has a good wingspan. He's he's a solid uh, horizontal athlete. But over and over, he makes plays that he shouldn't just because the technique and, and understanding of defensive dynamics is uh, so powerful. No, yeah, like that's really that's really smart the way you put it about Kessler because I guess I hadn't thought about it like that, but it does make sense having watched him. That's kind of how you outline him. I mean, it's very clear on tape that he's a, a, a very smart defender with the athletic tools to match. And what you said about Matisse, I mean, I, I still love Matisse defensively because I think just especially against like smaller guards like I do know I do admit that there's a little bit of the effect of Matisse where he almost preys on like weaker offensive players or weaker guards like that doesn't exactly scale the playoffs because usually you know the deeper you get in the playoffs the better the guards are going to be the better players you're going against the more they're ready for that but if it's just like an average if it's like a normal backup point guard and Matisse is guarding them like he's just going to maneuver around the screen they think oh I have a nice pull up here and then suddenly this dude with the six, five dude with seven foot wingspan is just jumping out of nowhere and sending your shot back. And it's actually kind of interesting because I would think given the way doc rivers typically staggers his lineups, like there could, you could see a lot of lines with guys like Matisse and Kessler on the court together, which I think defensively would be pretty interesting to have those two guys in your wings. Yeah. I think that one of the reasons why Matisse is so effective is that the uh, infrastructure around him, like takes care of a lot of stuff. So he is allowed to freestyle. And so having another defender who is uh, hyper-competent and like does precisely what the scheme requires would allow Matisse to do that more and put like, I find that Matisse is the weakest when he is put in situations where like all he has like to execute the game plan, he has to not play make. He has to like just simply put his arms up. Like those are the moments against, you know, extremely good guards or, or against bigger wings where like his impact is not as felt. And so getting him off those assignments as much as possible to put him in, in the playmaking uh, weak side positions or, you know, heavy pressure on uh, lesser creators uh, seems to be like where you can get the most value out of him within a defensive framework. Yeah, definitely. Um, and going to like those lines where you put Matisse and Kessler together, especially off the bench. Uh, the re- I mean, the main reason I started looking at Kessler, it's why I first started looking at Trey Murphy, who I wrote about earlier this week, um, kind of thinking that, in terms of what the Sixers can realistically get from the 28th pick, because, I mean, most people would say, oh, the Sixers, you know, could need more off the dribble shot creation or more ways to score such as that. Like, I mean, they're already, it's already hard to tell exactly what they're going to need because we don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons following everything that happened in the playoffs. But it's just very hard to find really good off the dribble shot creation that late in the draft. But so another thing I think is a little more realistic is some just shooters with size, like I kind of defined it as like, or a more basic idea was replacing the Mike Scott role they completely missed this year where Mike Scott just wasn't good anymore. So they couldn't play him, which led to these bench units of Dwight Howard and four guys under six, five, which is just kind of, it's kind of hard to like live with those for that long. And Kessler, like, I don't know what, I'll love to hear what you think about him as a shooter. Like his percentages were a little lower than Trey Murphy's, but like, I think he's over three years at Pepperdine, 39%. But what I love so much about Kessler, just how versatile a shot is, how he can shoot off of movement. It looks really weird of like how he flails his legs in the air kind of, but I just love how he basically can put so much pressure on defense by moving around and running into his shot. 
Yeah. So I'll say that to me, I think uh, Kessler would solve one of the Sixers problems. I don't think it solves the problem, which is, you know, advantage creation generally, but regardless of how this roster works next year, like whoever is on it, as long as one of Joel Embiid or um, Ben Simmons is on the roster, there's always going to be a need for spacing and the ability to play smart out of spacing. And so like that is going to be an issue no matter what. And that's a, a problem that I think this roster had. Um, Kessler is one of those guys where if you just show the stat line, like I think most people like really want to sign up. Um, and then when people watch the jumper, they get a little bit more hesitant. Like there is a, there's a dissonance between like the echelon of shooter he is historically and like people wanting aesthetically like beautiful jumpers. Um, there's a, a category of shooter where guys like the jumper looks perfect, but that doesn't ever go in as much as you think. Like to me, like Malik Monk was an ex- example of this. Like Malik Monk has one of the prettiest jumpers I've ever seen. And there's almost like no way to cut his splits up to make him look like an elite shooter. It just aesthetically, you're like, oh yeah, he'll shoot eventually. Like I know there's a 42% jump shooter in there somewhere. Um, here are a list of players who attempted at least 353s who are over 6'6 and got picked in the first round. Um, Doug McDermott, Nick Stauskas, Cal Bridges, Cam Johnson, Desmond Bain, D- Dylan Windler, and I'm going to just go out on a limb and say Kessler Edwards is probably going to be on that list. And if you are in, again, 39% is a pretty high bar to clear over 350 shots. Um, and if you're in that category, like there are still people who doubt his ability to shoot just because it does look funny. Um, the company he's in is like, isn't just shooters, it's like shooters. <laughs> um, so I, I think that most of the aesthetic concerns are, are, are overblown. He does take almost all of his shots, uh, like catch and shoot are on movement. There are movement limitations just because of uh, like how he, uh, how he twists in air. Like he has some issues. I believe it's going like really hard left. Yeah, that's that's something I was going to ask about. As I said, like almost all of his movement threes that I tracked were like pretty much like I, I call it like the JJ Reddick school of running to the right while shooting, which mm-hmm. kind of swing that top leg around. Not a lot of it going left. Again, that's in, like it is much easier to get all of the volume going one side if you're in a team where like they have a need for shooting because it's just really simple. It's like, oh, you just never make him shake to the left. Mm-hmm. He's always going to clear out a size so that he is shaking to the right. And on a like on a good team, that's much easier to do. If you're on a bad team where like there's so many holes to fill, you just can't really have players who are limited in like directional aspects. And like having a better coach uh, does make that easier. Um, I think that like I don't have any concerns about Kessler like in terms of from the shooting projection because he also like can shoot from deep as well. Um, it's also like should be noted that basically none of the like the I would say the three or four best shooters in this draft shoot off the dribble at all. Like Kispert doesn't shoot off the dribble. Trey Murphy doesn't shoot off the dribble. Uh, I think Wieskamp shoots more, but it's still like not what I would consider like a considerable, considerable volume of like the guys who's, you know, are in that 40% tier. If you want to move down into guys who take a whole bunch of shots off the dribble, you have Bones Island, but his is, you know, his, his percentages are damaged, damaged just by the fact that like he takes double step backs, you know, yeah. from, from the logo, which like is a shot he can make and it's truly awesome, but it's not, you don't look at the, you know, 37% shooting like 14 threes, you know, per hundred. You're like, oh, that's an elite shooter, even though it is, but in a different aspect. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get what you're saying there. And um, one thing I I think I've referenced before, I think I put it in the Hoops Talk group chat that we're both in on Twitter. Um, when I think when I like, I remember you outlined that before, like how Kessler just because the shot looks different, it's not like aesthetically super pleasing to the eye at least at first glance that 
maybe some people don't love it. Um, it reminds me of that scene in Moneyball where uh, he's explaining why they can get Chad Bradford, who's supposed to be like one of the better pitch relief relievers in the MLB for like next to nothing because he throws funny. It looks a little different and people don't like that at first glance. I don't know if that's like an oversimplification, but kind of reminded me of that. Just, just no, because I, mean, like, I, I think that you're hundred percent correct. And like history generally likes guys who shoot a certain way and we'll give a bonus. Like if the tie goes to the pretty jumper, that's mm-hmm. kind of how history has worked. And then like you have guys who shoot funky and it goes. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, do you get points for pretty, but a little bit off to the right or not really like uh Pedro Stojakovic shot what I would consider as like a non-traditional jump shot. And that mm-hmm. went it, basically every time he pulled it, um, you know, Derek Fisher shoots from a waist like half, like yeah. all the way over on one side, elbow in, a form that like is not, you know, commensurate with his shooting resume. Um, like we're blessed with guys like Stephen Clay, who are like much closer to the idea of textbook with Clay kind of being the ideal. But there are more guys like once you get to this level, it's just about the, the production. And as long as you can build within those limitations, like the form will be fine. Sure, you'll get some jokes here or there. But like if you go six for seven in a playoff game, like it really, truly doesn't matter. Yeah, trust me, the Sixers would have taken it. He could have shot those backwards, and if they were six or seven in game seven, the Sixers gladly would have taken it. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on from that, so because I think we both clearly believe in Kessler as a shooter. I just want – and that's like like you said, playing on a team – playing on potentially a team like the Sixers, which hopefully should be a good team still in 2022 and beyond, and have a guy like Embiid who just kind of gives you a baseline level of being good – um, what else do you think like he brings to the table offensively? Cause I think he does have some like potential, especially when he's coming off those like movements to the right. And he's maybe like, and cause that'll cause like some hard closeouts from defenses just because he, like we said, he can shoot it. And I think he's actually, he's okay at attacking those sometimes. Um, he gets sometimes get to the rim. I think Bart had his like at rim numbers as like, not, not bad. I think it doesn't get there a ton, but I thought his finishing at the rim was okay. Um, and I don't think it, I did notice that like sometimes when it be, when he was running to the left, which obviously was less often because he doesn't move to the left as often on his movement shots, but he was a little more hesitant to go all the way, kind of stopping to pull up a little sooner, but he also does have a bit of a pull up mid range shot. So what do you think of him? Like in terms of attacking closeouts like that, cause that's one thing that I also think separates him from a guy like Trey Murphy is I think he's a little more adept at stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's still some of the mobility issues. Like Kessler has high hips and, and has some fluidity issues, especially going to the left. Um, that high center of gravity, like it just allows people who are fundamentally weaker than him to knock him off spots a little bit. And then, you know, the less mobile you are, the the, the less chance you get to a clean shot at the rim, you have to double clutch a little bit. He's a good, not like great athlete. He's not going to finish over anybody, but he takes good angles for the most part. Like I would expect him to like – you know, with, with NBA mobility staffs, like get a little more juice going to the rim. Um, the thing that, that I really enjoy is he's very smart at reading a tilted floor. Um, he may not go all the way, but he like plays with advantage well, where he understands where the rotations are coming from. And, and like, I mean, almost never turns the ball over like his assist percentages aren't fantastic, but when you're a, a when you're a shooter, who's being run off the line, the ability to just keep a defense rotating, um, rather than, you know, holding and, and letting them coalesce or, or picking out the least threatening pass. Um, 
is like even if that turns out to be an assist it's bad process and i just found that if he gets run off the line like he has the pull up he has you know a pull up that turns into a little bit of a fadeaway he has you know some some touch shots that his his general touch skills are very good but the ability to to recognize advantage and keep the ball moving is going to be extremely important for him um, on on the next level support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, like one thing I've talked about a lot in terms of the Sixers is just like they have been a below average passing team like overall throughout their lineup through the past few years, basically since Embiid kind of came into his own. So I always try and look for prospects who can maybe help that. Um, you know, when you talk about like if they're getting teams in swing, swing, like swing, swing sequences after Joel Embiid gets doubled, I, you know, <laughs> like there's some guys that are good at like one mores and stuff like that. But like if the ball goes to Danny Green in the corner and he doesn't shoot it, like the ball's not moving then, like then you got to restart kind of the possession. Or Tobias Harris, I don't think he's like a black hole passer, but he's not really picking anyone apart. Um, and obviously, like you said, like Kessler's not some he's not some like skip passing demigod, like just picking apart defenses, but it, from what it's like you describe it, like sounds like you believe him as just like a, for what you're asking of him, a pretty solid passer. Yeah. And with, with clear pathways to get better, like uh, for somebody who like his handle is okay for his size, especially for mm-hmm. his role. But like, if he does gain mobility, if he does gain explosion, like there is a low hanging fruit there um, for, you know, a, a chance to get both clear opportunities and the forcing that secondary rotation of a team, you know, going from hard close out to then rotating over to try to prevent him from getting to the rim. Because at that point, then you've truly done something like that's why Danny green, uh, I think can struggle with this because younger Danny green, you know, like if you ran him off the rim, he could either sidestep or, you know, put a reasonable thread on the rim. And then as he's gotten older, teams are just like, yeah, um, if you want to drive into a big man, like go for it. <laughs> yeah. Still good though. He's still, Still, yeah, honestly, still a very helpful player for the Sixers that they missed very much during the last half of the series against the Hawks. Um, if you had to say what Kessler's, I, what Kessler Edwards' biggest weakness was or biggest like area he needs to improve in is at the NBA, what would it be? 
I think it's the mobility skills. Um, I feel pretty good about like him putting on on weight as he goes, but lowering his his center of gravity um, and the corresponding boost that's going to have for his handle uh, for I would say like long term his ability to guard like bigger players because like people can like if you put him on I mean he's not going to guard Kawhi but if you put him on Kawhi like Kawhi is just going to get under his center of gravity and move him out of the way it's not a strength issue it's about leverage and mm-hmm. that general theme of of mobility and leverage kind of like is the the thing that separates him from being like a, a fringe lottery type player, because like his, his general um, processing and shooting interaction at, you know, at six, eight, six, nine is uh, extremely valuable to the modern NBA, um, especially when you consider the, the defensive versatility. And if he's able to do that, then, then there's a lot of extra value for a team who, who drafts and develops him. Mm-hmm. So then uh, just like kind of the opposite of that question, say like, that big, he does improve in like, like our an NBA development staff kind of helps him in terms of, like you said, lowering center of gravity, ha- being able to handle leverage better. Or I don't know if I use that term correctly, but um, what what is like his highest end outcome to you then if like everything goes as well as it can? I mean, I think that it's uh, it's a player who is, is extremely lineup fluid um, that could like, uh, shake both directions, shoot at a 40% clip, attack closeouts and keep the ball moving. So that's like essentially like a modern low, u- like uh, a modern low usage player, um, which is sort of exactly what the playoffs have been built on for the past like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that like, you know, saying like, oh, this player has an all-star, like uh, ceiling is particularly helpful when your team is already good. Because like, yeah. it's not really what you need. It's like, can this player help us win a quarter of a playoff game? or two quarters of a playoff game or all the minutes against this team's, you know, uh, small ball lineup. Like those are the things that really swing, you know, that, that swing the fortunes of, of the front office and, and the team construction as it is. And like the player that we're describing is sort of uh, well-suited, especially considering potential development to the direction that the Sixers are going, whether Ben is traded or not. Yeah. And just the idea of, like you said, yeah, I agree that probably the Sixers biggest need to fix is like, because Ben Simmons who was, supposed to be for a while the primary ball handler and for very obvious reasons been touching a lot that did not work out it's they're trying to think who can be our advantage creator from now because we have like we have a guy who is kind of not unique to the NBA but Joel Embiid is a lot different from the modern NBA and that he's just he is that modern NBA low post monster racking up foul shots can has all the moves he needs can also stretch out to to three if you need and he's defensively like kind of guarantee your, your team is going to be pretty solid defensively if you funnel everything to him you have a guy in Tobias Harris who can take on some creation load like but it's not always great like I me and my one friend described Tobias Harris as like 80th percentile Chris Middleton like it's the same idea of taking a lot of tough shots and you're not really tilting the defense and if, when it's going in it's great because it's just really hard to stop but you know it's just hard to rely on that so often and you have guys like Seth Curry and Danny Green, that at least your offense are like obviously different roles of shooting, but the main idea is like they space the floor. And while Kessler Edwards is not going to be a, by any stretch, probably the primary creator for the Sixers, he's another guy you can slot in there. It's just like you trust him on defense and he's not, he's probably going to improve. I don't maybe not improve your defense, but just like, like if you throw a defensive lineup out there of, I don't know, say Embiid, da- Danny Green, Kessler Edwards, Tobias Harris, and, uh, primary creator X who they trade Ben Simmons for. That looks like a pretty good defensive lineup, in my opinion. I mean, even if you keep Ben Simmons, that's a like you, the thing is, is that with Kessler, like with any 
trio of Kessler, Penn, Matisse, you can cover a lot of different offensive mm-hmm. alignments. And like the Sixers have enough, um, like they have enough archetypes of defenders. But they don't always have like the connectors to make, like they, they can cover four fifths of a good, like a, of a proper lineup. It just never feels like they have like uh, multiple lineups to counter different styles. It's like, oh yeah, we have a lineup for small ball. We have a lineup for this, but it doesn't feel like a counter to a counter, if that makes sense. Or there's mm. uh, doing more than matching uh, whatever the opponent is throwing out. And to me, uh, Kessler would give the fluidity to offer multiple looks for each, you know, uh, playoff lineup you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I record up. A... What was that, PD? I was going to say, like, it, it, this isn't just Kessler. Like, this this archetype. Like, Trey Murphy also fits. Like, there's, I think, the idea that, that you're pitching towards is correct, especially because, like, this archetype is the strength of this draft class. Mm-hmm. For about a year, like, I, I think that people have recognized that, like, forwards who can shoot and, and offer defensive versatility is the most stacked single area of, of this draft. And like where last year there was just like a glut of like point guards who could shoot. And, you know, uh, if you had any kind of point backup point guard need, like you, you could get all of them at, at 40 in this draft, basically starting at like 22 until I'd say like 40. You just, if you, if you need a, a combo forward who can shoot, like, Boy, is there one. It's just about matching it to your roster needs and, and to this like high this high volume shooting uh for it seems to be a, a good fit for Philly and a good fit for the draft that it is. No, yeah, like I was gonna say that I did a part part of our mutual friend Mark Schindler earlier today. Uh will be coming out like these these are gonna be coming out right after the day they're recorded, but I we were talking about Terrence Shannon Jr. and like his potential fit with the Sixers and like I know just like to most Sixers fans, they see like Terrence Shannon Jr.'s like not stellar three-point shooting numbers and may get scared off. But we, me and him both agreed just like, I mean, he put it really well saying like just how versatile he is and how the Sixers could really use that kind of versatile forward just could slot into all these lines where it feels like you said they're fourth, well, whether it's on offense or defense, there feels like it's four-fifths of a really great lineup. And then there's just something missing, just someone you can slot in there who fill, can basically fill whatever role you ask of them. And like you said, low usage, but like very, very valuable. I, I think that idea makes a lot of sense. Um, just like, I don't know how, how confident you could say you are in, are in this, but like, what do you think are the chances Kessler Edwards is still available at 28? Reasonable. Um, you know, we, we talked about aesthetic biases. Um, I think that like teams are generally pretty averse to like, uh, players that they can't sell themselves on. Like, I think that one of the the biggest flaws in the draft is teams just being like, this guy could be anything. He could also be a terrible player. And like, like swinging, like taking these big swings when I think like more like players that make more sense for just like getting value out of their roster are available. Um, I think big swings make a lot of sense, but the, it depends on the archetype you're, you're doing it with. Like big swings on a combo guard, like it historically hasn't, proven to be feasible whereas like big swings on you know uh, uh, a multi-positional defensive wing like an OG and an Obi um, mm-hmm. has proven well and like Kessler obviously a uh, a different archetype than those two but like shooters uh, tend to generally just like age better in terms of when you look back on drafts um, and in terms of uh, stock or in terms of uh, skills that that hold stock well and uh this just seems to be a match of, of things that the player does well and the archetype does well and what the team desperately needs. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Like 
I don't know about you, but if Kessler Edwards is still there at 28 come draft night, I would hope like the Sixers are Daryl Morey is sprinting to the virtual podium. I don't even know how they're doing the draft this year, whatever podium virtual or not they're doing um, like the Sixers, I would think would be very, should be very much inclined to see if they can get Kessler just because I, I think he just does so much that they could seamlessly fall into their team. Like he fills a role they're already looking for and he, he's going to be good. I think like just, you said I can I really trust the shot and really trust the defense like I mean I think you can get on NBA floor pretty quickly if you can shoot and not like just be treated as a guy who can't attack a closeout at all and then on defense you're trust you're trustworthy due to your instincts length and size which he all has yeah I also think that like if he was like oh can he attack a closeout like there's different levels of closeouts mm-hmm. and when your team is coming from like we have to build a wall to stop Joel Embiid from uh, doing annihilation yeah. to the rim like that's not a regular closeout that's a closeout from all the way under the hoop so you're like it not only is a longer closeout but also a harder closeout so any player that comes even though like Joel is still a developing passer and still has some struggles passing at double teams even compared to where he was a couple of years ago like that is about as optimal for like that is a place where you can hide people who aren't great at attack closeouts because that's probably one of the better closeouts they'll ever get. No, yeah, like it goes back to what you said about just like difference between a player like Kessler joining a good team versus a bad team right away. Like the Sixers obviously have their problems, but you start from the baseline of the talent they already have, and it just offers a lot of great stuff. Um, I'll just pitch this question to you here. Um, let's say I, I would doubt. I really doubt this is even possible, but like. Let's say that Trey Mann, Terrence Shannon Jr., uh, Aaron Henry, and Kessler Edwards are all available at 28 somehow, some way. Which one of those should the Sixers draft? Wow, you're uh, you're really asking me to to pick between um, some some long term uh, prospects <laughs> that I've I've cared about. Um, I would say that like the concern with Henry's is that like his shooting has fluctuated uh, month by month mm. over his career. Um, uh, Terrence. Uh, is probably like the most is like the of the of the three wings is the most like high upside guy um, because he does have uh, some on ball juice but the jumper again has its has his moments um, I think Trey Mann is not the particular solution that that uh, the Sixers need just given their other roster construction um, and I think if Ben is on the roster then Trey Mann makes more sense. But if he's not, then um, I think that a lot of Ben's decision-making reps, which I, I think is a weakness of Trey Mann's, would, would go to Trey. And then you have, like, I would say, uh, like Joel's not a fantastic decision-maker. And then you have a rookie making a bunch of decisions. To me, that doesn't seem ideal for, for this roster construction. Um, if, if Ben's on, I think it, it makes more sense. Um, I also think that the NBA is, is more uh, infatuated with, with Trey Mann's stock than I am. Um, there's also a question to like how good of a shooter he actually is, um, given two uh, pretty disparate years in Florida. Um, so I think that like just doing a general average and, and looking at where the roster is right now and, and imagining trying to keep flexibility among a lot of different potential rosters, whether Ben's on it, whether Ben's not on it, in favor of you know trades at the Eastern or Western Conference or what have you, that that Kessler would be the best choice. Um, and if Kessler's not there, I think like Trey Man. Or uh, Trey Murphy is 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 a good uh, backup choice. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like I mean, if it's any one of those guys, I'm feeling like pretty good if I'm the Sixers. Like, or at least as someone who is writing about the Sixers and consi- still considers myself a fan of the team, I would be 
pretty comfortable with all those guys, but I think I lean towards you where I think Kessler is just probably my favorite fit because I just, I'm just really confident in what he can bring then to the Sixers team, like both in the future and like pretty quickly, which I mean, you know, it's, it's an oversimplification when most teams say like, or like most people when talking about the draft say, Oh, these winning teams, they need guys who can contribute right away or stuff like that. But I do think there is some truth in just like, I think I can envision a role, a helpful role for Kessler right away for a team like the Sixers who whose goal right now, while Joel Embiid is still in his prime and it, before his feet of like, before his injuries like really pile up and he can't, maybe he's not the same anymore, you know, really hoping not that doesn't happen, but you can never tell. Just getting a guy like Kessler, who I'm pretty confident in his role with the team right away, seems like a good option. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, this is this is a good draft to have a later pick in for the roster problems they have. Where you know, there's just there are a lot of good options that will be available in the 20s for for the roster uh, construction they currently have or could have you know, mm-hmm. in anyway in the next month or two months or so. Yeah. No, PD, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk Kessler Edwards with me. Um, plug all your stuff, like plug away, like your handle, where okay. people can find you, all your work, all that stuff. Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter at Above the Break 3. Um, I, uh, all my writing is on Patreon. Um, the work is free. If you, if you have a couple books to donate, that'd be fantastic. Uh, use it to pay for staff video packages. Um, I should have a Kessler write-up coming in the next 24 to 48 hours, depending on other projects. Um, one of the reasons why writing has been a little bit less frequent for me is because I started to do a YouTube series called Let's Watch Film, where I invite on uh, another basketball writer and uh, watch a, a game from a prospect, um, you know, just try to find a, a representative game, talk about what we saw, talk about how we watch film, talk about, you know, comparative micro skills and, and what how that player fits into the larger NBA landscape. I found it to be a really fun activity. Um, you can find that on youtube.com slash pdweb youtube yt um but there's there's links to it um on my twitter uh have about like 12 episodes up each one runs uh, about an hour and a half with some q a and uh i'm I'm really proud of how it's turned out so far yeah and just letting everyone know out there like if you're not following pd's work already you're missing out like i can't say how much i've already just i learned from following all this stuff whether it's just reading a few tweets or like comments he has or going through like the, the heuristic like on the guards which one of my favorite p- pieces ever i've read uh just a lot of great stuff if you want to know more about basketball and just understand the game on a better level you really should try and follow all of pd's work it's really great all both all the twitch streams or on youtube afterwards or all his writing just all great stuff so yeah that's at above the break three with the number three at the end on twitter and yeah pd thanks so much for coming on to talk kessler upwards Thank you for plugging the heuristic. Uh, it's, it's the cheat code for watching guards in the draft. Just watch YouTube videos or just watch <laughs> mixtape highlights. It really does work. <laughs> all right. Uh, That's going to do it for today's episode of Sixers Draft. Thank you all for listening. I will talk to you next time. All right. All right. Thank you.